everybody. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories. I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi, everybody. This is another Chats with Shauna episode where I talk casually about anything and everything. So this week is the last week of a three-week-long vacation slash sort of work trip in Florida, and I figured I'd talk about our trip and some of the things that have surprised me about the culture here. As I mentioned in last week's episode, we came here for Lucas, my husband, who is starting to write songs with Spanish-speaking songwriters. Overall, it was a pretty successful trip, I think, for him. He and another Brazilian friend managed to write four very catchy songs in Spanish, and a few more that are a mix of Portuguese and Spanish, songs that sort of blend aspects of reggaeton with sertanejo, which is a Brazilian genre of music. Once some of the songs are recorded, I'll be sure to play some of them on the podcast for you. So you can listen and let me know if you think they're any good. (laughs) On the matter of songwriting, I am still a little bit perplexed about how it's possible for a group of Portuguese songwriters and Spanish songwriters to make music together, especially when nobody within these songwriting sessions speak both languages natively. According to Lucas, it takes a lot of patience and at least one person who is at least bilingual in both Spanish and Portuguese to translate ideas back and forth. Beats me, though. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to listen as the creation plays out. I have no idea how this works. But anyway, back to Florida. We started this trip in Orlando on January 2nd. Of course, Orlando is the home of theme parks. Among them, you'll find Universal Studios, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and of course, Disney's Magic Kingdom. Kind of bummed out we didn't go to the Harry Potter Park. I really wanted to check out Diagon Alley and go to all of the different shops there, but I think that will be for next trip. This time, we only went to Disney, and we went there a few days after we arrived. And unfortunately, because the plane was very cold, and I think we we had a hard time adjusting to the temperature, we all got sick. And so when we finally got to Disney, we were really low on energy. I wasn't sure what I expected, really, from a trip to Disney with a baby. My daughter is about to be one year old, and wow, it's a lot of work. Sometimes you have to wait in line for a ride for well over an hour, and if your baby doesn't walk, like Julia, um, you end up having to hold them for that time because you can't bring strollers in the line with you. So that can be a little bit um, exhausting. I saw one mom actually with three strollers attached together. One of them was lifted above the others, so it was sort of a bunk bed stroller, And I thought, wow, who would do that? That's really a lot of energy to go visit the park. One of the highlights, though, was the light show at Magic Kingdom at night. They planned a show where there were many scenes from Disney movies in history. So everything from Snow White to Mona to, I don't know, Beauty and the Beast. 
And they played popular songs and flashed some of these scenes across the front of the castle, which was pretty cool. Also, we saw Tinkerbell fly from the castle down to a platform down below, which actually a friend of mine's sister used to do when we were in high school. After Orlando, we drove south about four hours to Miami, where we've been for the past two and a half weeks. I know it's hard to judge an entire state by only getting to know two cities within it, but staying here has given me a chance to get to know the culture a little bit better. Many aspects of it are similar to what I expected. However, there are a few things that have surprised me. For one, the weather. (laughs) In California, it's kind of common knowledge that Florida is known as the sunshine state, but I was not aware of how warm Miami actually is. It is actually considered the warmest city in the United States throughout the year. During this trip, we were able to wear shorts and tank tops and even made it to the beach a few times, which is unheard of in Northern California, where I am from. My parents sent us a few pictures wearing beanies and ski jackets and scarves, and we returned a few (laughs) wading in the ocean to kind of rub it in their faces. (laughs) Of course, it's also very tropical here. One of the other things that we know in California about Florida is that it's famous for its oranges. Uh, A lot of the orange juice we drink in the United States is from Florida. Since I've been here, I really haven't seen an orange tree, but I was shocked by how tropical the fruit trees are. Right now, in south of Miami, it feels like I'm in the Caribbean or on a Caribbean island. Caribbean or Caribbean, both work. And not in the United States. All of the streets are lined with palm trees, the majority with coconuts, which was surprising. And our neighbors have many banana trees, a papaya tree, and starfruit trees. In our backyard, we have a giant avocado tree, which I wish was in season right now, but unfortunately there are no avocados on it. Last week, I was walking around the block with some of the Brazilians we're staying with and saw a giant, very peculiar looking tree with brown hard fruit. And we pulled one off out of curiosity, cut it open, and a whitish colored glue came out of it. Our fingers stuck together. And after some research, we found out that this fruit is called a sapodilla and is very popular in Mexican desserts, ice cream, and the glue is used to make chewing gum. Uh, It gave me flashbacks to the time when I lived, or the time I stayed, I should say, in Colombia, and my friends and I would go to the grocery store to see which new types of exotic fruit we could try. Anyway, so the warm weather, the tropical vegetation, and uh, one thing this trip has really done is it's opened my eyes to how prevalent Latin culture is here. I mean, it's kind of common knowledge in the U.S. that Florida has a large Hispanic community, but seeing and experiencing it is really quite different. Uh, I even learned that its nickname is the capital of Latin America, which I know some people would not be happy about, (laughs) but it is sometimes nicknamed that. In 2018, according to CDC.gov, 30.6% of the population claimed to be Hispanic or to have Hispanic origins. Within this percentage is a large number of Cubans, Puerto Ricans, and immigrants from Caribbean or Caribbean islands. So you can definitely feel these cultures here, especially in a neighborhood called Little Havana. 
there are ongoing battles here between different restaurants who claim to have the best mojitos and the best Cuban sandwiches, uh, which are slow roasted pork and ham sandwiches with Swiss cheese, pickles, and mustard. Of course, that varies between where you are in Florida, I learned, um, but we can talk about that in a future episode. Naturally, Spanish, then, is the native language for many. 20% of people speak Spanish at home, according to a study done by the Modern Language Association. And while walking around the block here, an old woman stopped us and tried to talk to us in Spanish. Uh, after we told her that we only spoke Portuguese and English, she smiled at us uh, warmly and said, well, if you're in Miami, you have to speak Spanish, <laughs> which is just very funny. She was very nice. I get the impression that most people here do speak Spanish. The second most common language at home here is French Creole, uh, French, and Portuguese. Not to mention there are many new immigrants from the Philippines, from China, and Vietnam. Because of that, Florida's Department of Education requires that all educators be qualified to teach English as a second language, which is kind of cool. I had no idea that so many educators here were qualified to teach English as a second language. Let's talk about more things here. In California, there's a stereotype that Florida is a state where people go to retire. <laughs> Out of curiosity, I researched this to see how many retirees or people above 65 live in the state. And they actually have the highest number of people over 65 in the entire United States at 17.3%. And the fewest number of people under 18. So only 21.9%. Another thing about Miami is that there are many cruises that leave from here. They're often advertised in commercials in California. But one of the things I didn't know was that Port Miami is considered one of the busiest seaports in the world. The strangest part about it is that when I looked up different activities to do here, one of the main ones is to go scuba diving off the coast of Florida to look at a lot of the boats that are under the water. So I guess over time, over the past few hundred years, many boats have sunk in the waters near Florida, and lots of exotic fish, colorful fish, and different types of wildlife, sea life underwater live within these boats. And so it's very interesting for scuba divers. Pretty cool. There is just one last thing I wanted to cover, and this was about housing. The family that we are staying with in Miami are from Brazil, and they're planning to buy a house here. And for that reason, we've spent a lot of time examining the housing market and to my surprise, they showed me some very big houses in good locations in Miami that were below $400,000. And I guessed before they told me the price that they would be around $700,000. I learned that the median house price for houses in Florida is around $246,000, whereas in California, it's $556,000. So there is a big difference in the housing prices. We're going to talk a little bit about hurricanes in a future episode. Um, but the last thing I wanted to mention was Miami Zoo. Uh, when we were walking through Miami Zoo, I thought, wow, this is the most beautiful zoo I've ever been to. Uh, the whole walk through the zoo felt like a hike 
through a tropical nature preserve. And my first impression was, wow, these animals are also treated very well. In fact, many of the signs throughout the zoo talk about some of the zoologists that work there and how they attempt in a variety of different ways to prevent species from going endangered. Uh, one of the ways is by breeding or crossbreeding animals. However, when we got to the tiger area, um, there was a big sign dedicated to a 12-year-old girl who died during Hurricane Irma. And during the hurricane, while her house apparently was being destroyed, she was expressing her concern about what happens to animals during a hurricane. I had to research this because I thought, oh gosh, that's actually a really good question. As you probably know, due to Florida's location, it is a state with many hurricanes. Uh, hurricane season lasts from the beginning of June until the end of November, with a lot of the hurricanes really hitting around August. Apparently, in 1992, Hurricane Andrew came and killed animals at the zoo. And since then, to prevent such a horrible disaster happening, they built bunkers, right? These sort of safety areas, underground safety rooms. Uh, many of the small or delicate animals like flamingos are actually moved into bunkers. And some of the bigger animals like elephants or the rhinoceros or hippopotamus, they also have a place where they can stay during these storms. The biggest concern, I guess, is if the hurricane comes and hits the aquarium because if somehow the generators break, then according to the Miami Zoo communications director, the oxygen doesn't get into the water and the animals will die. Of course, we hope that never happens. And I'm sure also that since uh, he made that statement, which was before Hurricane Irma in 2017, that some changes have probably been made. Uh, they probably have backup generators and such. That's it for today's episode. I hope you learned a little bit more about Florida, kind of random information here. Um, but once again, it's a chat with Shano episode, so it's rambling, it's casual, and yeah, hope you have a nice day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.